0: Welcome to Inspiration Rising. I'm your host, David Trotter, and we're here to inspire you to rise up in your life, love, and leadership. Today, I want to introduce you to Dr. Courtney Baker. Now, back in 1993, six months after graduating from high school, Courtney put her dreams of attending college at Texas A&M on hold and instead became a single teenage mom. While her friends were leaving for college, she was instead forced onto Medicaid, food stamps, and double shifts as a pregnant waitress. Now, despite huge challenges in her life, she is now the CEO and chairman of the board for Kids Care Home Health, a multi-million dollar business with over 600 employees providing speech, physical, occupational, and nursing services to children with special needs from Texas to Colorado. She's an author TEDx speaker and was named the 2016 Texas Business Woman of the Year. Now, today she's sharing her doctoral research with us that outlines four major challenges that women face when moving up in business and I would say in life in general. All right, let's jump into my conversation with Dr. Courtney Baker. Courtney, thanks so much for taking some time to hang with me today. I appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me. You have done something that I'm just going to say very few people have done, which is start your own business that has been wildly successful. You know what I mean? I mean, it is very successful. Um, Now, the average person might not know it because it's not like Amazon or whatever, but America is made up of small businesses. And by the way, Mm -hmm. I don't know what the cutoff is, but the other day I was noticing that even a company that has revenue of multiple million dollars is considered a small business.
1: Yeah, like I think it, the cutoff. It depends on who you ask, but I think the cutoff is around fifty million. Holy moly!
0: I would if I was having a fifty million dollar business, I would not be thinking I had a small business. But <laughs> long intro is to say you've started this a service based business um called Kids Care Home Health, mm-hmm. and I want to hear the journey because there are people that are listening to our podcast that want to start their own thing. Maybe they're starting a side hustle. Maybe they want to start a business. You started a service-based business, which is a a great thing to point out. How did you come up with the idea? Take us back. Tell us what year it was. How did you come up with the idea? Take us through the the journey.
1: So, um, yes, Kids Care was started in 2003. Um, And at that time, I had just graduated with my master's degree in communication disorders, which is basically speech pathology. And um, it was, I graduated in August of 2001. So right before September 11th and um, my first year out of college, I worked in a school district and I just wasn't happy. And my second year, I um, was working for a pediatric home health care agency and um, fell in love with serving little kids that were underprivileged with special needs um, in their homes. And I just thought, this is my true calling.
0: And what did that look like? How how did that work? You know what I mean? Like, I, (laughs) I, I don't know that, 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 uh, that field. So take me through it.
1: Yeah. So I would drive all over the Dallas. I'm in Dallas. So I would drive all over Dallas and Fort Worth going from house to house to little kids' homes to do therapy in their homes. And the best part of, of home health, I think, is that you get the parents involved and you get their, you know, I mean, David, when we go to therapy in a you know a, an outpatient setting, we have all their supplies. But when you go to the home setting, you can see like, okay, well, he doesn't have this shiny new toy. He has these things that he plays with as toys. Mm-hmm. So let me use these to let his, um, voca- you know, his vocabulary and his language development be age appropriate. So gotcha. that was so, really So you why. fell in love with it. Oh my gosh. Yes. And I worked for a company for about four months and um, was, overheard the owners several times say how employees were replaceable. And as a 28-year-old little spitfire who um, was ready to take on the world, I thought, well, I could do this myself. You know, why work for someone else? And um, I mean, I was four months pregnant, I, my husband was working the night shift at the Office Max warehouse because that's the only place he could find a job with benefits. And we were pregnant. It was right after September 11th. So the economy was in the toilet. It was the worst time ever to start a business. And I just thought, well, I'll do it. And um, I was actually told three times by a consultant that I was crazy and not to do it. And I basically was like, well, I appreciate your opinion. Do you want the job or not?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to help me or not? Yeah, Yeah. that's great. That's great.
1: And so I don't know if it was pity or um, he needed the work, but he did help me. And we started incorporating in the beginning of 2003 and then opened our doors October 27th of 2003 and it was just me with 10 little patients um, who believed in the dream and I, I did have a partner at the time and we officed out of her house and she was a nurse and she ran the office operations and I was the only therapist and today we have about 600 employees, and we serve. We've had the privilege of serving over 50,000 children with special needs in 16 years.
0: 50,000, 50,000 lives that you have impacted. Well, that's just the kids. Yeah. Then if you you triple that, you know, it's, it's like you literally. Couple hundred thousand people that you've impacted from your work and six hundred of I can't even imagine six hundred employees. Oh my goodness. (laughs) That is crazy. That is that is a that is a very large small business. Or maybe you're not a small business. I don't know. It's not a well,
1: yeah. I mean, we're kind of on the the borderline.
0: Yeah, that's great. Thank you. So, So now you have actually transitioned out of running the day-to-day operations of kids Mm -hmm. care home health so that you can invest in the lives of female business women entrepreneurs and so forth is that correct
1: yes and in 2012 you know I categorize entrepreneurs as either builders or sustainers and I am a builder I love the process I love rolling my sleeves up and getting dirty And um, we were sustaining at that point, and I decided I was going to do something that I had dreamt of doing my whole life, Um, because when I was 19, I was a single teenage mom, and I was on Medicaid and food stamps, and I thought, you know, I always had wanted to get my doctorate degree. So I got my doctorate degree in leadership, and I started school in 2012 and finished in 2015. And my focus was on women in leadership and why there are so few. And if you look at it, you know, women are about 50% of the workforce and make up 50% of mid-level management positions. But at the top levels of leadership in the S&P 500, women are not even 5%. Wow. And in healthcare. Women are less than, well, women are about 11% of CEOs. So I thought, well, healthcare is actually doing a little bit better, but it's not where I think we should be. So what are the obstacles that women face when climbing the corporate ladder? And so that was my research. And there were uh, four main challenges that my research identified, but I went into it and I said, this is not specific to the healthcare industry this is gender specific. And um, so we can talk about that, but really that research parlayed me into a whole nother um, opportunity. And that is to invest in the next generation of women entrepreneurs to help them start and scale their own service-based businesses.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay, you you gave me the bait. I'm taking the bait, (laughs) Courtney. So So you said these are four things that hold women back From C-level roles, is that correct? Yes. And particularly, your research was in the uh, healthcare industry, but you're saying this is just uh, gender wide. You know, it's uh, uh, experience wide. Everybody, this is all experiences.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, my doctoral research was in the healthcare industry, but then I took that research and I started interviewing women at all different levels and in all different industries. And I asked them what challenges they faced, mm-hmm. and they were the same four.
0: Okay, so give them to me. Okay. Number one.
1: Number one is family obligations. When you look at time diary studies, women typically do almost double the amount of housework and child care that men do. So for every one hour, a man does housework, a woman does 1.7 hours.
0: I don't know a lot of guys doing one hour of uh, housework, but okay.
1: Yeah, my husband does. <laughs>
0: Good, good, good.
1: He just did the laundry yesterday. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, we, we carry the load. I mean, I always say, women, you are CEOs of a dynamic, incredible, stressful, challenging organization called the Humble
0: Abode. Yes, that is so true. Okay, so family obligations. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, I also think of children who are ill. You know, you know, and and the role of a mother plays there. Oftentimes the woman, the mom is playing a central role in caring for that child. Mm -hmm.
1: That and the sandwich generation. So when you're caring for your parents and trying to advance your career and caring for your littles, it's tough.
0: Yes. Okay. So
1: the only way to get past that challenge is to get a support system.
0: Mm -hmm. So that support system could be if the woman is married, their partner Mm -hmm. increasing, or even uh, some sort of like hiring of individuals or
1: yeah, or even neighbors or friends that, you know, maybe want to, um, can help with childcare pickup or, or soccer practice or things like that. Um, or you think, you know, going online and ordering groceries that, you know, just the little things, the nuances that we have to take care of that have made been made simpler um, by technology mm-hmm.
0: recently. Yeah, I often tell people that, one of the most fun ways that I spend money is on saving time. Mm-hmm. I love spending money to save time. So if I can spend, you know, 10, 20, 50 bucks on something, having somebody else do it for me, it mm-hmm. might feel like a luxury. It almost, you know, I'm kind of from a middle class, grew up lower middle class to middle class home in Kentucky and hiring somebody to clean your house. Oh, well, you fancy. You are fancy yeah. if you're hiring somebody to clean your house. Yeah, that's a good idea. You know what I mean? If you can afford it, all of a sudden yeah. that frees up time and energy for everybody. Um,
1: well, and you're helping someone else build their, you know, their their empire, their their ecosystem in their home. And you're right. I mean, we we don't even look at what we could be doing in that time mm-hmm. that we are investing in housework or walking around a grocery store or picking up our own dry cleaning, you know, little things like that.
0: Mm -hmm. My son goes to a special art school, like 20, 25 minutes away from us, depending on traffic, you know, in Southern California, it's crazy. And so there is a van pool and it costs three ish hundred dollars a month to take him in the morning and take him in the afternoon. And I drop him off at a grocery store. It sounds kind of ghetto, but it's not, (laughs) I drop him off at a grocery store in this crazy van, takes him to school. No, it's, you know, it's a van pool. Like, and, um, and I thought, man, $300, I could drive him there. And then I, st- I had a friend who was a fellow entrepreneur said, okay, David, that's an hour a day of your time. Minimum. Could you earn you know, more than $300 a month financially? Or does it you know, even your mental capacity? Uh, so anyway, all of a sudden, that $300 feels like nothing mm-hmm. to invest. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, you got to have that money to begin with to do it. But um, I love what you're saying. Okay, so that there are creative ways to uh, reallocate time that could be impacting a woman's responsibilities at home. What's what's number two? What's another impediment?
1: Two is limited advancement opportunities. So getting to a point where you are um, at the highest level in your career, but you need to go back to school and being faced with the challenge of time or you know, resources to do so. And then also there were women who had gotten to a point in their careers that they were just unsure about what they wanted to do. Like, do I want to go to a different company and move up or, you know, cause I've topped out where I am. And so there were a lot of women that were challenged in their careers and didn't really know what to do with it.
0: Mm-hmm. So with limited advancement, what would you say, you are seeking to do or you see others are seeking to do in order to change that reality?
1: So for that, it really depends on the reason for the the obstacle. Um, but if they're seeking other employment, it, it actually parlays into the fourth challenge. So I don't want to skip over the third. But what I see is so many women get get mentally stuck while they're stuck at work and think that they can't do something else and and my question is well, why not? you know why not go somewhere where you may be happy um, why not go back to school? There's tons of online programs, but it's almost like that mental uh, block of well I just can't.
0: what role can men who are listening play in creating more advancement opportunities and what role can women play who are listening? Mm -hmm.
1: So men can, especially if they're in a leadership role, um, talk to your peers or those that are maybe subordinate to you and say, you know, what what are the things that you want to do? Where do you see yourself going in five years? How can we create that strategy as a, a team to get you there? But a lot of times women don't even Verbalize that that's what they want.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So, what what about other fellow women in the workforce? How can they help fellow women advance?
1: Well, and you're talking about what's actually the third challenge. Give it to me. Gender-based discrimination. Mm-hmm. And um, that ties into limited advancement um, because. The third challenge is actually triple faceted. So the first is stereotypes. Women, when they are uh, seen as a leader or taking charge, they sometimes get the not so coveted title of being not not easy to work with. Mm-hmm. And then the second, whereas, you know, men, on the other hand, get a, you know, seen as strong and skilled and effective leaders. hmm. And then the second facet of gender based discrimination is the is men. So the good old boys club, Mm -hmm. which I lovingly refer to um, them as Bubba's. And Bubba has not been so happy that women are in the leadership sandbox and doesn't like to play with us all the time. So he has convoluted our path. And um, to him, I say, shame on you for doing so. And then the third uh, facet of gender-based discrimination is mean girls. And mean girls very often hold other women back from advancing their careers. One of the women I talked to, I asked her to tell me about her female mentors. And she laughed at me and she said, mentors? I haven't had mentors. I had tormentors. And it's very real, very real. And it's something that, um, you know, a house divided cannot
0: stand. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming that the tormenting is out of a uh, scarcity mindset. Is that true? That like there's a there's not enough opportunities for all of us. So I'm going to make sure I keep my power. Is that is that how you see it play out or are there other things as well?
1: It's scarcity, but it's also, you know, we live in a society where women are bombarded with messages on a daily basis that we are not enough. And so we believe we're not enough. And we feel like in order to um, be enough, we have to pull others down. It's kind of like the crabs in a barrel mentality. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay. And so the way that I know this might be an obvious question, but I just want to make sure we're talking about it. The mm-hmm. way that women are are feeling like are being um, shown things, experiencing things to say that they're not enough. Help me see that. Help me understand that. As a guy who I live in a, you know, I live in the same world, but I see the, the world through different eyes. Mm-hmm. What are those things? Teach me.
1: Well, even as, if you look at the advertising industry, um, we are constantly bombarded with you need this face cream, this hair gel, these. I and I love me some spanks, but you need these spanks to be enough and to look pretty. And we aren't ever told just as we are, we are enough.
0: Mm-hmm. So, physical, physical uh, attract- attractiveness, mm-hmm. what someone looks like is that's a huge, it's just a huge, huge issue, uh, especially in the context of social media.
1: Yeah. Uh, And you have to be thin. You have to be beautiful. You have to be smart. You have to be all of this to be enough and, you know, packaged with a bow. Um, And, and instead of just hearing, you know, if you're the best at you, then you're enough. And that's the message I'm trying to impart
0: to my daughters. How many daughters do you have? I have two. Okay. How old are they, if you don't mind? 16 and almost 12. Okay. My goodness. Now, I people oftentimes will hear it. My daughter, she just turned 20. So she's mm-hmm. entering her June. And that is, it is a challenging thing, isn't it? With um, social media and uh, clothes and personal appearance. Oh my goodness. How are you helping your daughters negotiate that?
1: So I am really working with them on being themselves through Christ and knowing that it's, you know, who you see on advertisements and on social media, those aren't real pictures, you know, because I have, I have one who right now she's, and it's the youngest one, but she's struggling with some body image things. and. You know, trying to get her to understand that if she wants to excel in softball, then someone who's tall and thin and looks like a model is not the build that she needs to be excelling in that sport and to just embrace her differences.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, my daughter has been off social media for, I don't know, six, seven months or something. She doesn't have Instagram or Facebook or Twitter on her phone now she will watch you she watches youtube uh videos i'm not saying she per i walked in this morning and she's watching uh, you know the latest bachelorette crap and uh you know i don't know why they watch that it just kills me but um you know so she's still getting it from every angle but she has just found that for herself social media does not help her it feels like every time you're on it she feels worse about herself rather than better
1: yeah yeah i mean because we and and I think this is more, I don't think this is gender specific, but I think women are more prone to feeling less than than men do. Um, but I mean, we, we live in a society where we are constantly comparing ourselves and trying to be, achieve this standard that doesn't really even exist. Right. Which really brings us to the fourth challenge, which is a lack of confidence.
0: Mm -hmm. That's the mindset, the lack Mm -hmm. of confidence to say, I can do this.
1: Yeah. 50% of the women who had made C-level positions talked about, to me, a complete stranger, about how they lacked confidence. And then when I took that research and talked to women outside of the healthcare industry, that number rose
0: to nearly 80%. Mm. Wow. So you now are investing your time helping women either, you know, start something, whatever they want. And mm-hmm. I know that, that you've got a course that's coming out September 2019 called From Side Hustle to CEO. You're mm-hmm. really helping people take it to the the C level as your is your passion. If somebody is thinking about starting a business, they're listening to this podcast, they've been thinking about starting something where should they be even begin? You know what I mean? How do they even start that process? Is it with, you know, the the, the service? Because obviously you're focused on service-based business. Is it with a name? Is it finances? Is it website? Is, you know what I mean? Where do they even begin?
1: First would be finding a name and then making sure. And you know, a lot of people look up, is the domain available? But but the first thing you need to look at is, is the entity available? Through the Secretary of State.
0: And whatever whatever state you're in.
1: Correct.
0: Is that name available as a, if you're going to do a corporation or whatever it might be.
1: Or an LLC. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the girls that I mentor, we just had this conversation last week. She was operating as a DBA and someone came in and took her name. So a DBA is not enough. You have got to file as a business entity.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So when somebody's thinking about starting, you know, a business, I know, uh, you know, sometimes somebody can see an opportunity. They may not be very passionate about it, but they see the opportunity to make income. They see a need, they see a problem they can solve. Mm -hmm. Or there are other people that have a passion. They're not really focused on the need or problem so much, but they're just really passionate about something. How do you coach the women that you're working with on which one they should go with passion, need, passion. You know what I mean. What, are, mm-hmm. what should they focus on?
1: <laughs> the one that monetizes, because your passion isn't going to pay your bills unless it can monetize. So we look at you know a lot of people think about podcasting or blogging, and and the thing is that's great. And it can really fulfill a need that you have, but people don't pay for those services. So what can you do that will get income that people will pay for? And we walk through that process.
0: That's great. Um, what are some of the biggest challenges or hurdles that women who are starting businesses that you're coaching, mm-hmm. what are some of the biggest challenges or hurdles they face that maybe they didn't even realize they were going to face?
1: Finances. The biggest one is getting your finances in order. You know, women are not typically growing up encouraged to really study math. Yes, math. We have basic courses, but to really get honed in on their math skills and to know, um, basics of accounting, you know, what goes in, what goes out and don't, you know, some of it's intuitive, like don't spend more than you've got, but especially with the generation that's, that's, you know, the millennials cash to them is a card mm-hmm. and then put it in the machine and money comes out, but let's get a really solid foundation on your business finances.
0: There are numbers that are being depleted when you put that card in each time. Yes. Yes.
1: It's not a slot machine. It doesn't pay out every time.
0: Yeah. I wish it did. Yeah. Gone are the days of balancing a checkbook. Yes. Yeah. My wife still does it. She still does. She, you know, even though we've got it online, she just wants to make sure she's got it right in front of her, always aware. Good for
1: her. I just found Kids Cares uh, initial checkbook register from 2003. Um, and yeah I mean we started this business with fourteen thousand nine hundred and forty seven dollars and that was in my that was in the register and I just saw it yesterday so that's the only way I knew I knew it was around fifteen thousand but you know that's the other thing is you've got to make sure you've got your cushion to operate operating expenses and have a little bit in there for when um, you're not getting paid and you're not getting customers like you thought
0: mm-hmm for the women that are listening, what words of encouragement, as we wrap up here, what are what are some words of encouragement that you would give them if they're thinking about starting a side hustle or a business?
1: Oh, gosh. That, you know, I didn't start with any business knowledge. I had zero. And all I knew was I had the foresight to see that I was worth more than being traded undervalued for the rest of my life. And they are, too. Um, but invest in you instead of investing in external, let's invest in your future and your um, sustainability and and they can do it.
0: That's awesome. There are two resources I want to draw to people's attention. One is you have a podcast called women in business podcast. Tell Mm -hmm. us a little bit about um, the podcast and where they can listen to it.
1: Yeah, it's on all podcast apps. um, And They can really expect to find women's stories of other women entrepreneurs um, and how they faced obstacles and how they overcame their own obstacles. So the Monday episodes are typically inspiration. And the Thursday episodes are generally um, just me giving business advice and strategies.
0: Great. Uh, They also have access to a free resource that you've provided to us. And uh, the name of that is 10 Secrets Millennial Female Entrepreneurs Must Know Before Launching a Service-Based Business. So these 10 secrets, uh, Courtney has a special URL, and you can get this URL if you miss it in the show notes just by swiping up on your phone or on our website. Uh, It's CourtneyBaker.com slash 10secrets, one zero secrets. Mm-hmm. and they can get access to that and download it and uh, that's a way for them to begin connecting with you and and if somebody's looking to get coached do you coach people across the US as well
1: I do and I have a course that's coming out so if they're interested in starting a service based business and have absolutely no idea where to start that course comes out September 10th and it's called from side hustle to
0: CEO That's great so September 2019 side hustle to CEO and we'll uh, make sure that we promote that everywhere as well, even after this podcast comes out. So, Courtney, thank you so much for taking time to hang with us. And your story is incredible. You started with 15,000, you and a partner, 600 employees now, and 50,000 children who have been impacted. That is absolutely tremendous.
1: Thank you. It's been quite the journey.
0: To check out all the links to Dr. Courtney Baker and her work, swipe up on your phone to access our show notes or visit insporising.com. Now, if you haven't already, please take a moment to subscribe to the Inspiration Rising podcast on the Apple or Google podcast app already loaded on your phone. This is the easiest and best way to have every single episode delivered right to your device. Well, until next time, have a wonderful week.